0: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Christian Layman Church. This is your first time here. I want to welcome you as our guest. Uh, My name is An, I'm on staff here, and it is such a delight um, to be part of our community. Well, this morning, um, I have a confession to make with you. I I have a problem, and I have a secret. You see, I um, have a problem with invitations. As a matter of fact, with invitations, I say yes to every single possible invitation um, that is asked of me. Is it a fancy team? Yes, I would say yes to it. Is it, uh, let's say, uh, a birthday dinner? Definitely yes, I will say yes to it. Uh, Is it uh, maybe like a a birthday party or an engagement? I'll definitely go to it. Uh, Is it uh, a meal? Yes, If, if you're working at a tech company and it's free lunch, I will definitely go to where you're at to get a free meal, right? And one of most, one time, my uh, my daughter Karis got invited to not just one, not just two, but three birthday parties in the same day. And you guessed it, I said yes, yes, yes. Okay. And we went. Now remember, the key word is that I said yes. My wife was like, no, no, no. She'd rather stay home. Rather than go invitations. Now, for you, many of you here, what are some invitations that maybe that you have uh, said yes to kind of growing up or where you are right now? Maybe in grade school, it's a, it's a sports team, right? Maybe it's an invitation to uh, a school dance. If you're in high school, a Sadie Hawkins dance or a prom. For some of you here, maybe it's an invitation to uh, a college interview or a job. Or for some of you here, it's even um, maybe uh, asking to be married or an engagement. Or a simple meal or a dinner with a friend that maybe doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, it's saying yes to an encounter with Jesus. This is your very, very first time. Now, all these invitations have something in common. Right? And the common is that, is it worth? So, church, can you say it with me? Say, is it worth? Is it worth? Now, this term, I know for some of you, there are grammar kings and doctors or whatever it is. They're like, this sounds not proper. And you know what? It's okay because I'm dyslexic, so it's totally fine, okay? So is it worth, meaning is that what is worth? What does it mean, okay? For some of you, is it worth to go to a certain invitation because you were asked to because you have the power to say yes or no, but there is a worth behind it. So what is worth? Worth is a level of when someone or something declares a value, right, of something. So is an invitation that you've been invited to something that you really feel that it's valuable for you to go to, right? Now, for some of these invitations, right, they can vary. Is it a time, a place, maybe for certain people you want to go to, yes or no to? Um, Is it an emotion? Is it an organization? Is it a cause that you really want to for um, this invitation? For my daughter, um, she she is seven now. She is in second grade. And for some of you who see me uh, in our our community here, you've seen her grow up uh, the last four years. And when she was turned just three and just about to walk, she got asked, um, I think one of the most coolest things is to be a flower girl. And, and this is uh, her dress, uh, as uh, one of the flower girls. And she got asked not just one time, not just two, three, four, five, but six times from one summer to one summer. And I was like, that's amazing. Why not, right? <laughs> like, this is great. But as these invitations of weddings for her to be flower girl came upon, I kept having these visions about her getting married one day, and I was getting sad. <laughs> I was like, are these invitations even worth it? Every time I see her wearing this dress, it's like one day she's not going to be carrying down the flowers, she's actually going to be getting married. And I was like, just having this like weird father moment, like trying to figure out, she was like, yes to her or not. And every single time that she would go to these... Um, as a flower girl, what was really cool was that she got a chance to see the people that invited her to be part of this wedding. You see, the value of these invitations, right, has a worth to the, to the sender as well as the receiver. And sometimes it depends on you how it make you feel about getting invited to something. And for my daughter and I, it was thinking about the people that gave us the invitation to come to this wedding, for her to be part of it. And it was crazy because of the, what, the rehearsals, getting there, making sure that she was actually hydrated and actually walked down the aisle. Matter of fact, one, her very, very first time that she was a flower girl wasn't even to our friend of our wedding. It was our parents that said, hey, we need a flower girl. Can we just use Karis? And that was her very first time as a flower girl. And at one, at one particular flower event, she had blood on her dress all right here. The bridesmaids, and like, where, where is this coming from? It was Karis having a bloody nose. The coordinator said, "Don't worry about, it, don't freak out. I have white duct tape, and duct tape her entire body. And you know what? It looked really legit because it blended like, with her dress. And it's amazing to see how different invitations, right, you get a chance to see what is God really doing as in her invitations. Now, this morning, we're going to be going um, talking about Matthew uh, 22 uh, verses 1 to 14. And it's going to talk about an invitation. So if your Bibles are on your phone or a neighbor next to you that you told them that you love him with their eyes, right, you can share a Bible too, right? Um, we're going to the Word. And before we get into the Word, um, we're in the section of Matthew now that it is Holy Week. And we are wrapping up the series of Matthew. And it is Lent right now, uh, going into Easter. And Holy Week is when Jesus comes in Jerusalem right now. And as he's in Jerusalem, he is teaching. And a full presence in the synagogues. And I call it Jesus Khan because every single day he's there, people are coming to him with questions answered. and answers. He's really there for not for the people around him that are receiving different things from him, from healing, from, from just his presence. But he's there to teach these Jewish leaders that he is the, the Messiah, that he is the son of God. And he's there to do, I call it three C's, to confront, right, to challenge and to carefully approach these Jewish leaders these leaders that do not believe that he is a son of God. And as we're going into um, this parable, it's going to talk about an invitation that he has for us. Let's pray, church. Father, Lord, thank you for this morning that we come before you because you're a good God. And as all invitations before given to us, is it worth? Is there a value that we place on an invitation that you've given us to come before you? And this morning... May we lavish in your words, may you speak to us, may you open our hearts, may it he tug on our hearts to wrestle um, with what you're about to say in your words. Amen. Our series of Matthew is amazing because we get a chance to see who Jesus is. And it says here in, verse, uh, in, in chapter 22, chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, Jesus spoke to them again in, in parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants for those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, "Tell those who have been invited, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fine uh, cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet." Verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not receive deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets. And gather all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Eleven. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Jesus, the, a majority of Jesus' parable was teaching about the kingdom of heaven. If you go through most of his parables, this was number, number one go-to about the kingdom of heaven. And much like today, we talk a lot about the other place where you don't go if you don't go to heaven, but we really do really talk a little bit about heaven. And Jesus is here having a really honest discussions with these leaders that were questioning about his messiahship, his kingship of who he was. And there are a ton of questions right now you're probably asking like, what happens to the guy that got kicked out? What are wedding clothes? And, and those are some of the questions that we'll get to. But this right here, this parable was talked about. Is it worth? There is a king that's given an invitation. And is it worth, is there value between accepting this invitation as the receiver... And the giver who's sending it, is there worth two? And we'll get into it. And the better way that we could talk more about what is a wedding banquet is we'll talk about, I have to give you context, what is a Jewish wedding, right? Some of you are like, I, I, I've seen it on TV. Uh, I don't even know what it is. This is what a Jewish wedding is. A Jewish wedding is, it is, um, it is um, a covenant. And, and Jewish weddings. what's amazing about Jewish wedding is that the, 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 uh, the groom, he is called the bridegroom. Can you say bridegroom with me? Bridegroom. All right. Some of you are awake. Thank you. Bridegroom. Now, the bridegroom will leave his house, which is his father's house, okay, where he lives. And he will go to the possible bride that he's looking for. So he would go from his father's house into the bride's house. Now, once he goes to the bride house, there they're making a covenant. Can you say covenant with me? Covenant, right? Covenant. So there's a covenant between the bridegroom and now the bride. Okay, you got me? You following? Yes, yes. All right, so there's a covenant. He goes there and says, hey, I think you're cute. Hey, you have good eyes. Hey, you love Jesus. I want to marry you, okay? There's a covenant that's established between the bridegroom and the bride with their their father there. And there is also a payment with along with this covenant, okay? So it's not paying for her love, but there is a a, a cultural tradition to pay to be wed. So once they... The bridegroom pays to wed this covenant is established now. Within one year, the bridegroom will come back to the bride, home and wed her and marry her. Now within this year, she doesn't know what time or when in, uh, when he will come back, but she knows it's about a year. And as he goes back to his father's house, the bridegroom, right, what he does is that he gets ready um, to wed her. So what he does is that he gets a, maybe uh, he extends the house. He gets a better job, right? He looks better, right? He works out. I don't know what he's doing, right? But he's doing something better within this year, right? And within this year, he doesn't see her. Okay, those who are engaged or about to wed—can you imagine getting engaged and like, all right, I'll see you in a year, you know? Like, you're not going to see them, right? And so, when that is happening now, she is waiting patiently for him in this year. Okay. Now here's the thing: when the year's time that comes up, what happens is that it's around usually evening time. He will get his best man and his servants. And he will march with a lantern light and walk towards her place. And I don't have a lantern light. This is the best, next best thing. He will get this light. He will get this light. This is in, you know, in lieu of the Olympics, right, for the Winter Olympics, right? Um, he will get this light. And as he is walking street by street, the neighbors, the people in the street and go, behold, the bridegroom is coming. And as the bridegroom is coming street by street, the bride hears this. And if she is, you know, used to the vicinity of those who are getting married is very few and far, she knows it's her. Right? So as the street is coming closer and closer, she rushes to get her bridesmaid and her wedding party to get ready to be married that night. Okay? So whatever you're doing... You're watching Gilmore Girls, it's over, okay? You're eating uh, dinner, a hot pot, it's done. Chinese New Year, oh well, you know, it's time to get married, right? And so as she's getting ready, you have the bridegroom and his wedding party that are waiting outside for her. And as they're waiting outside for her to get married, he's giving her as much time as she needs to get ready. And once she's ready, she will leave with the bridegroom and the bride back to the father's house. Let's go back to the father's house. There for the next seven days, they consummate their wedding. And so you're all adults and, and, and high schoolers and middle schoolers and, 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 and college people. You know, they, you figure out how they consummate the wedding, okay? And when they consummate the wedding, it's called the wedding chamber. For seven days, they're in the father's house. And what happens after that is that when they come out of the father's house, she unveils of the bride and the bridegroom, and they have a banquet. And it is a banquet uh, depending on who you are. And this is very much the kingdom of heaven because this is very much a story of how Jesus is our bridegroom. He leaves the father's house to come meet us. There's a covenant that he has with us. He dies on the cross. Not only does he die on the cross, he goes back to his father's house. And we are waiting, right, to hear a word from him that when he comes back. We don't know when he will come back as a bride. But there will be, he will come back. With his legion of angels. And there is a calling that he has. And we will go back with him to the Father's house, which is in heaven. And then the rapture will happen. And now for seven years before his second coming on here. And that's some heavy stuff. Some heavy, heavy stuff. You see, this parable is talking about specifically this. It's talking about how God's generous invitation to us, there's a refusal and a king's judgment. And so for you here, is it worth, is it worth to be living as one, to believe in God, that his son's salvation, and properly living in his kingdom? You see, the gospel of Matthew is this, that the gospel according to Matthew is about living a changed life that when we enter his kingdom. And we're going to go into this text And these 14 verses, and I hope it changes you the way that you see an invitation. Because for you, is it worth of an invitation that God has for you? And the way Jesus is going to break down his parable, I hope that it shifts you. I hope that it gives you a better posture of what does it look like to be in God's presence, to be in his kingdom. So let's go with me. If you go back to your scriptures... And there's three parts to this, this, this text. And it's talking about the banquet, the banquet that's happening, that's going on inside the banquet. And then there's, definitely there's this guy that is an uh, inappropriate dress, right? Verses 1 to 4. It says, Jesus spoke to him again in his parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who have been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they did not listen. This is one of three parables. It's the last parable of him. Meeting with these Jewish leaders and these leaders, these Pharisees that do not believe that he is the son of God. And what he's saying is like, you know, I'm going to tell you a story about invitation. You see, this king is God. The son that he's throwing a lavish banquet for is Jesus. And it's typical back then, if you were invited to a very lavish banquet, a banquet that is not just a wedding, but this is for the king's son, you bet in this kingdom. Everybody knows about this. Just like in Cinderella, right, everybody that was available for a lady to marry this prince was invited, right, that was single, right. But instead of this one, it was open to everyone. Everyone was invited. Now, an invitation will usually carry is that was, there's an invitation that comes and they give you an invitation that, hey, I'm having this banquet. And when this banquet is happening, there will be a secondary follow-up invitation to say the date and the time. And it says right here that these people, they didn't have an excuse not to come. There was not a a harvest for a crop or a business to attend to. They chose to ignore to come. And they declined it. For no good reason. To them, is it worth? There's no worth. None at all. Now, the king, as we go into verses 4 to 6, is going to show a more generous God. is saying, okay, you know what? Not only do I invite you the first time, the second time, I'm going to invite you again. And it says, then he sent some more servants Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to this wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off to one to the field and to the rest seized the servants and mistreated them. Now, when he prepares this banquet, an ox and a fattened calf means that this was in preparation for the king. That it is a really big party, and depending on how the stature of who you are, it varies on how lavish the party was. And this is no small feat. Like I said, they ignored the wedding invitation. They decided not to cook because they weren't busy. But they responded by something else. Some of them responded by not ignoring it at all. But some of them responded by mistreating and killing the servants that God sends again. Another command from them to come. See, if you're in this kingdom, an invitation is not like, hey, should you go or not? It is, it's a command to come. Very lightly, low key. But they decided to rebel against the king. And they kill the servants. Now, I want you to think about, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. How much this is really close to Jesus being killed because of people that didn't not just want to be invited to an invitation. But they straight up said, you know what, not only do I not want to come, we rebel and we will kill. John the Baptist was killed. Jesus was killed. This is a foreshadow of what's to come as Jesus was saying this. Now, was it worth to a third time of invitations? No, it was not worth They decided not to come. And not only did they not come to come, but they decided to kill these servants that the king sent out. And I want you to think right now during Holy Week, these Jewish leaders and these people in Jerusalem had no idea what was to come, but who was going to be crucified on the cross. Verse 7 3 it says, The king was enraged. He sent his army to destroy those murderers and burned their city. He said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. All these rebels were from the same city. All these people or these murderers were from the same place. And what does God do? He sends out an army and destroys them. Now, I want you to keep in mind that the king and these invites are in the same city. So what the king did was that, He burned and killed these murderers in his own city while the banquet is still going on. I want you to remember that. See, the servants that were ready at the king's available hand, right, anytime, they were not invited to the wedding. Not because they weren't, you know, supposed to be or honored to, but they are standing in guard for the king. They are ready at his beckoning at any moment. And at this call, he says, I want you to find those people. I want you to kill them because they murdered my servants. And on top of that, I want you to burn down their city, which is his city. This is a picture of was supposed to come for Jerusalem one day. Imagine the final day of judgment. This is what it will look like. The banquet here has a double meaning. And the meaning is that the banquet is ready, but those who are invited do not deserve to come. It is also a rejection of the king, a rejection of Jesus. You see, the banquet, those who were invited were the Jews. And the Jews were the chosen, elected to be be known, to be given Jesus. But they said no. And when they said no, the king said, they're no longer to have this divine mercy. And they'll be replaced. Those Jews that do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, I will welcome them. There's us who are non-Jews, who are Gentiles. And I stand here, and I'm just so excited because some of you here, you accepted the invitation to Jesus. And you know what? For a for God, he says, is it worth? Is it worth? He says, yes. He says, yes, it is worth because you are here. Yes, it is worth. And it goes into verse 9 and 10, it says, it says, Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Do me a favor, turn to the person that you said I love to with your eyes, and just have a conversation. What kind of people did these servants found in a city that was just wrecked by an army, Burned down and the banquet is still going on. I want you the banquet is still happening right now. And the king says, Go and find guests to fill these halls, good and bad. It's the person that you had the the I love you eyes. conversation What kind of people did you find? I'm gonna give you about a minute, okay? Go ahead, go. King tells them to go, whoever you find, it's a universal mission of the gospel. See, the mission was beyond Israel, right? It was to all nations. But at first it has to start with the resurrection. You see, the first invitees, ignored him. Matter of fact, they didn't even know there was an invitation. They they totally just didn't even care. They killed the servants. And here's a king saying, you know what? Not only do I want you to invite, invite anyone and everyone. And when it says the street corners, what was happening was that the city now is burning. There is some, some, some craziness of figuring out what's going to happen next. So these servants went to the outskirts of the cities. People that maybe had no business to be and belong in the city. People that were outcasted. Uh, maybe their looks, their profession, their history and their past. And he says right here, it says that whoever bring them. And what's crazy is that a lot of people respond. A lot of people accept the invitation. And many respond because these people that were coming that were filled at this banquet, right? It was every nation, every tribe, every people and every language that was in this banquet that decided to come. And it says good and bad. And look at this room. And I want to say there are amazing good people. But the one thing about our churches is that sometimes our churches are not made perfect. Our churches are not museums, what someone said. Our churches are like hospitals where we want to take in people that are hurting, that need help, that have a question, that simply want to be loved and cared for in a certain way. And that's the way that I see church. And you're part of this church. And what Jesus is saying is that like, come to this banquet, I don't care who you are. And can you imagine these servants, they're like, I'm getting people that I never even talked to. I never even spoke to. I never even shook your hands. I never even thought about you. You even existed. The outsides of the cities that was burning, that was going on. And if you were a servant, right, you did not definitely tell the king, no. You went as you did as you were told. Because you know why. If I was a servant and I just saw him send a legion of army to go destroy these murders and burn down the city, I'd be like, dude, I got some. I got a, I got a one bad mouthful king, you know, like. He's got my back, you know. Like, whatever he's going to ask me to do, I will do it. That's what I would think I if I was one of his sermons. Think about this. He sends them out, and the banquet hall is filled. It is filled. And you see, in Matthew 13, 47, it talks about these fish nets and how I, how I catch this fish. And the gathering of the fishes is that, see, ultimately what happens is that God is the one that is going to be Really picking out the fishes, what is going to stay and what's going to go. And what he was telling these servants basically was saying, look, bring them in. Bring bring in these guests. I will myself handpick who's going to be here or not because I will really see, I really see who really is here. And the reason why he's doing that is because to him it is worth." It is worth to this king to have everyone come to this bank because it is for his son. It is lavish. It is amazing. It is this princess going to get married. 11, 13. And this is where it gets good because this is where probably a lot of you have questions about the specific passage and the specific parable. Go, okay, I've been, I've been waiting to know more about what is wedding clothes and what happens to this gentleman. And it says this. It says, but when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there, who was not wearing wedding clothes. The king stopped and he asked and said, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The, then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into darkness, where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, usually what happens is that when you come to a wedding, you come to this feast. You would come in proper clothes that are clean, okay? Now, weddings, you would probably think, yes, if you come to a wedding banquet, you want it to be clean. Now, this part of the scripture doesn't really clarify or say, how did these people come into the wedding banquet? Now, if you're from the way outskirts of the city, and you don't have much, you wear your best. You wear your most, cleanest, and whatever it is to come. And they would change from their dirty clothes, what do they have, into something that's uh, mostly white, or what happened is that the king, if you didn't have a wedding garment or wedding clothes, right, the king could also have clothes ready for you too. If this is the king of a whole nation, right, then your clothes is totally white. He will give you white, not fitted bed sheets, okay, but white clothing, right, to put around you as you come into this banquet that is fresh and it's clean, right. And the reason why this is so important about the wedding clothes is because it represents this 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 amazing opportunity for them to have a proper etiquette to become before the king. To have this way that the king will notice that you are respectful, but knowing you are also accepting this righteousness that he has for you, this mercy is given to you, and you are changed new. In Matthew, in Matthew 17, 5, it says that the son, like, God goes up to see, Jesus goes to see God, and as he comes down, his clothes is changed to white. And it says, this is my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. In Matthew 17, 5. The meaning of a clothes that is the righteousness of God's mercy, of grace on us, and there's forgiveness. Now for you, what does it look like? What is, what is the clothes that you have? What does it look like? You know, one of the, one of the things that, um, that I have in my phone, I have my wallet, and and I try to see every single time it's a picture of my children, uh, of my daughters. I I have two, I have Karis, who is seven, and Addie, who is two, and she has crazy eczema, and so she's always itching and scratching and running around. And when I have a picture of them, this represents to me this cloth of righteousness. Because every single day when I put clothes on them, and I dressed them for school in the morning. I had nine for them baths. I realized is that these clothes that's on their bodies is that one day they're going to make a decision to accept this invitation from God. Is it worth for them to say yes to? Are they going to put on this clothing that God has for them to show that there's mercy and there's grace and there's righteousness? And the reason why they have the opportunity is because they have two parents That are doing their best to love them, to serve them, and to wear God's clothing too because we were unfit for those clothing as well. But we are trying to show our children that. Every single time that I close my eyes, Karis gets taller. Every single time that I come home, Addie's doing a dance move that is inappropriate that I don't know where she learned it from. And she learned this new dance move called the booty shake. And she swings her hip from left to right, left to right. And I look at my wife, she didn't learn that from me. And she looks the same thing to my wife. And I have opportunity to see God's clothing on them because my wife and I are doing our best to also put on God's clothing. You see, when Jesus tells this friend, he says, friend, where are your wedding clothes? He was invited for the third time and he comes. He sees people changing to their wedding clothes. Even maybe the king giving it to him. But yet he decides to go to this banquet and not listen to the etiquette. Not listen to what is asked him to do. And he decides to lounge in this banquet to eat, to enjoy the fine cattle and the oxen and just to party it up. He's like, I am so glad I wasn't one of those murderers got murdered and burned down. I'm glad I'm, I'm in here. But the king notices him and says, friend. Why are you not wearing wedding clothes? And you know what it says? It says he was speechless. Just like the earlier guests who had no excuse to not come, he was speechless. He could have said, they're right here, man. I'm so sorry. As he's like talking to the king, putting it on while he's eating his chicken or ribs, whatever. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say anything. He's quiet. He stares at him. And this is interesting because the reason is because in verses 34 or later on, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were silenced too because of what they finally realized that Jesus is the Son of Messiah. He is the King, Son. And they were speechless themselves, and they said nothing, and they left. And when they left, they had a plan to trap Jesus. When you're caught doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, you really have nothing to say, do you? Let's be real. I was in foo when I was in third grade, fourth grade. And I used my two siblings to shield me as I was stealing color crayons in aisle seven. Stuffed down two packs of Corolla markers in my little fanny pack that was blue and was red. As I was walking out, the security guard caught me. My dad was with me. He knew what I did. My dad said, you can have him. We don't need him. And I was like, looking at my father, looking at the Food for Less security guard, my fanny pack, two packs of Corolla markers. I was like, this was not worth (laughs) to leave my family for two Corolla markers. Packs, it was not worth. I unzipped it. I gave it to him. The security guard said, I will let you go because your dad is that mean that he would not accept you. He's going to leave you here. I remember driving home that that car ride. I, I did not want to go home at all. I did not want to know what was going to happen at home. Because to me, stealing that was not worth. And I was speechless. I had no excuse. I had no reason to steal those markers. And my two brothers, they were like, told you. Not to use as shields. Told you. Told you. It was not worth. You see... The guest now becomes a criminal. The king gets him, binds him at his feet, and says, now bring him outside in the dark evening, and there will be the gnashing of a chief. I did not go look more in detail what was going to happen. I have a better understanding that where he was going, he wasn't going to come back. You see, what happens at the guy at the inn Is that he no longer had a choice because he used up all his choices. By then, when you are in front of the Lord and your Maker on the day of judgment, there is no more excuse. There is no more choices. You ran out of time to make choices. This place of judgment, when the kingdom is, is without repentance. Of his life is our repentance of a living rightly, and he was rejected. See, Jesus later on in this week of Holy Week, Jesus' clothes was torn from him, he was convicted as a criminal, but yet he had nothing to do. In verse 26 65, later on, as he's getting crucified, his clothes was worn on again, but this time his clothes was not white, this time his clothes. It was dirty, it was bloodstained, and he was made a mockery of. And it was covered in pain, it was covered in sorrow, in Matthew 27, 31. For this gentleman, for this, this guy, was it worth? Not to him. It was not worth. And he chose to not put on his garments, not to put on his clothes, because he had a choice and he chose not to. 14 says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Israel was called by God. But many of them did not choose. They rejected the king. But the few that are chosen. The few that are chosen. Maybe in this room right now, you. You. You have accepted this invitation to know Jesus. You have accepted to live a life that has changed. That includes Gentiles, Jews, every tribe, every nation. And you chosen to be at this messianic banquet. So is it worth? I think so. I think it's worth. Your response to God's summon with repentance and living rightly because God has wedding clothes ready for you right now. Inside your bulletins there are these um, letters and a cardstock. But well, some of you may be in this room, this is your first time hearing about this kingdom of heaven, hearing about this king that died on the cross for your sins and it's called the gospel. And it's good news for you to accept come as you are, wherever you are, he will give you wedding clothes that is filled with mercy and grace for you to start this life with him. Remember some of you, you have this invitation from God, but yet, you have yet invited others to share in this banquet. Because you don't care. You're selfish. You're too busy. You don't understand, Ann. I'm at Berkeley. You don't understand, Ann. I'm a young adult. You don't understand, I have a career. You don't understand, I have two children. You don't understand, I... I do this and this and this. And I don't, I'm just going to let who I am show who Jesus is. But yet your heart, your pride has no indication of you wanting to invite. So maybe that this invitation that you're praying and thinking about, that you actually start to do and give and send to someone that is close to you. Maybe it's your coworker, a family member. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's someone that, maybe it's for you because you have been away from God for so long and your clothes now are dirty and they're torn and they're raggedy. We'll close it with this. Is it worth, is it worth to know what you're being invited to as a sender and a receiver? Is it worth to understand that the kingdom of heaven is yours and do you choose to accept? And if you choose to accept, you are gonna shift a certain posture about yourself with the gospel that maybe you've never thought about. Maybe this invitation that's gonna open up this doorway to have coffee with an old coworker, worker, a friend that maybe you have fought over for five dollars and not giving in. Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend that you're with right now in a relationship and they don't even know Jesus and you know Jesus and you're totally content in that relationship. I'm some of you here, it's about busyness, about certain things that are a part of your life right now that you're not inviting into because you rather invite those things into it because they are much better presentable. The rewards and ends are much better. I don't know where it is, but I do know this. I know that God is inviting you into his banquet for his son. That he has sacrificed from the cross for you. I can't think of a better invitation of this for you to give out to people around you. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good God that gives. You're a good God because you give so much. What matters most in a wedding banquet, Father, is not the food but the festivities that goes on for nights. But is held because it's for a fit for a prince that will share your throne. And maybe in this room, Father, there's people here that don't know you. that's never been invited to kindness or mercy or grace. Maybe it's people here that have been sitting on their hands, Father, Lord, and too comfortable to invite because I let some else do it. I don't have the boldness. Maybe I have the tools. But father I challenge our church to look beyond our four walls, to look beyond Christian layman church, to look at your kingdom, look at your church. What are we doing to live this changed life? Because we desire to show it and live it? Because you're a good guy, and it is worth it is worth with you because you are a good God.